Welcome to Gagliardi Scott Real Estate Podcast, hosted by myself, Gerald Sabri, and Rocky Gagliardi. We look forward to bringing you something fresh, something new the Golden Valley hasn't seen before. More informative information. We've got special guests, hot topics. Make sure you follow on your preferred podcast platform, GSRE Socials. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, guys, and welcome to episode nine of our GSRE podcast. And this morning, we've got uh, a special guest, uh, Warren Davies, the unbreakable farmer um, that's got a fantastic story that certainly relates to to all things in life in general and motivation and such. So we welcome Warren Davies to uh, our podcast. Welcome, Warren. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's, um, it's an absolute pleasure to be Sitting here chatting with you today, mate. After, yeah. yeah, we've known each other for a long time, so this is yeah. good. No, nah, we certainly have. And I thought this was a uh, a little bit of a left field uh, podcast, not as much directly related to real estate straight away, but there's a lot to take out of it for our viewers yeah. um, from life experiences, uh, resilience, determination, uh, you know, farming background. There's a lot to uh, that our viewers will, will certainly appreciate, I think, today. So uh, firstly, again, welcome and, and just give us a, a brief on um, Warren Davies. Yeah, mate. Well, it's um, yeah, a bit of a journey, I suppose, if you want to look at it. I've, um, you know, I've done a lot, lots of things during my life, um, but... Basically, if I go back to the start, I was born and bred in Melbourne, mate. I was, wasn't yeah. a country boy to start off with. Um, grew up in Melbourne for the first 15 years of my life. And mum and dad were small business owners. So dad was a butcher by trade and um, they had milk bars, post offices, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things. So um, kind of was, yeah, knew the background of small business fairly well as a, as a young kid growing up in the back of milk bars and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, that was... You know, a good child, like good childhood, something that I probably don't discuss much in my presentations, but like yeah. my childhood, I couldn't ask for anything better. Loving parents and loving family and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was just a few challenges that were happening to me as a young kid um, um, around my mental health that I never really understood. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, just little things, a bit of anxiety and a bit of low self esteem and, and stuff like that. So it was not um, anything big. And, but one of the things that I say is, you know, I didn't do anything about it, never asked for any help. And yeah. so growing up as that kid in Melbourne was good, like loved me footy and, you know, mad Richmond supporter. So, cause, mm. you know, used to jump on the train and go and watch the Tigers train and do all that sort of stuff. So it was really good. And, um, yeah. you know, we didn't have got a really big family, but the family was close, so yeah. um, which was really good. And then um, dad decided that um, he wanted to become a farmer, mm. and, uh, which was um, something that he probably harboured for a long time. But we did have friends that were dairy farmers in Gippsland then moved out to Maroopna here. So we, you know, we had, um, we'd visited them a couple of times. And then mum's uncle was also a dairy farmer at Trigau, yep. so just down on Kareem. Um, and I often say, like, I, as that kid growing up in Melbourne, I had the best of both worlds because he used to spend a lot of time on the farm and I used to love farming. What, yeah. what I thought farming was and it's all about tractors, motorbikes and slug guns, mate. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, what I, um, that's what I enjoyed about farming. So when Dad um, said that we're going to move, you know, to Marigham, um, I thought, great, mm. because, you know, I was struggling at school. I was actually failing year nine. Um, I was subjected to a bit of bullying, which is, yeah, I can't hard to believe, you know, I'm six foot three, but those little weedy kids yeah. the ones that were picking on me. Yep. 
So to move to the country was going to be a way of reinventing myself, and it was. It was fantastic. Like fresh start, fresh start. It was really great. Um, yeah. You know, as a as a sixteen year old kid, you know, driving the old paddock bomb down to the corner, or parking under the willow tree next to the channel, and jumping on a school bus was really something I'd never experienced yeah. before. Because you know, yeah. my normal way of getting to school was tearing down the Burwood Highway on my twelve speed racer, trying not to mm. get killed by all the traffic. And yeah. now I'm driving this paddock bomb, and you know, I had my tractor and my motorbike and my slug gun, so I was really yeah. happy. And um, you know, moving to the country was great because. Um, as you know, mate, footy is a real passion of mine. And, yes. you know, and one of the things that I struggled with, particularly at school, was not making the footy team. Um, and you'd be happy to hear this because, um, you know, I, I say in my talks, it's uh, I didn't exercise at the speaker course. So I did. It was about unpacking your story. And something I beat myself up for for a lot of years yeah. um, was not making that footy team. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we lived in North Melbourne zone. And out of the 26 kids, I suppose, that would have made my school team, nine of them played AFL footy for North Melbourne. So yeah, right. Um, they could have picked a better team. Great club. Yeah. <laughs> they could have picked a better team. But, yeah, no, and one of those guys is Darren Crocker. Yeah, okay. So, yep. um, you know, I was never going to make that footy team. I'm not that good at football, mate. So, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I beat myself up about for a long time was I was making that footy team and that had an effect on, you know, my well-being and my self-confidence. Um, yeah. So moving to Merrigan straight away, went down a footy trainer, yeah. started playing senior footy at 16, like it was just like, well, yeah. where do you come from and you can play and which, yeah, I'm not a star, but yeah. I could hold my own. And um, yeah. so all these things were going, you know, it was really great moving to the country, um, you know, school bus, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. The freedom and then group of mates, obviously, growing, uh, you know, in those, you know, 16, 17 kind of age group years was really great growing up in a small town, yep. uh, especially in the Golden Valley, really friendly. Mm. So that was that was great. So life looked really good. And a lot of that stuff that had happened to me as a kid, I kind of brushed under the carpet. Yeah. So yep. There was no no stress then. And um, I think that's been the underlying theme of my story, that's not right. knowing anything about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, once we become a farmer, things changed a little bit. Once I left school and got on the farm, you know, a few challenges were thrown away and that kind of changed the, my trajectory a little bit into, you know, how, I, you know, how my well-being, my mental health was at, at certain stages. Yeah. So there's, a, there's obviously a turning point in your life that, you know, from uh, dealing with personal issues to then... Yeah, I suppose growing in in stature and resilience to to end up where you are now and what you're doing with your life. I mean, that's a fascinating story, and and hence why you're on this this episode. Um, that it's really it's a really interesting, mate. It's um, uh, well, it's not. It's sometimes challenging, but interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we I became a farmer. I worked on a farm for six years, and yeah, and the. The fellow that I work for is one of the best dairy farmers in the district, and he promised to teach me everything I needed to know about farming, and mm. uh, which he did. Like he taught me how to fence and how to you know pull tractors apart, and how to look yeah. after cows, and all that. It was really good. So when I got to twenty two, I was pretty cocky. Mm. Um, you know, I was uh, one. I had a, now I had a group of friends. All these things that hadn't happened in Melbourne. I had a group of friends. I had a girlfriend. Yeah. Now my wife. So like yeah. 
you know, she's obviously, yeah. um, she's stuck around for all these years, so it mustn't have been too bad. And yep. then um, you know, I was playing, as I said, playing footy. I'd moved to Kai then, or one of thirds premiership. I was playing, you know, senior footy in Kai. It was like everything was going well. Now yeah, I've got a job being mentored by the best dairy farmer in the district. Yeah. Life was really good. At 22, um, I asked Marilyn to get married. And so I thought, this is a good opportunity to go to Malay. And that's what we did. We um, we looked at our options, share farming, leasing, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. um, ended up buying 200 acres next door to mum and dad who'd then moved from Merrigan to Tongala and um, created a, a family business. And as I say in my presentations, as that naive 22-year-old went into business with mum and dad, so yeah. anyone that's in a family business that's listening, you know, probably I can imagine they're sitting there nodding their heads. Relate to it, yeah. Yeah, relate to family mm. businesses that aren't always smooth. No. I went into business with the bank because they lent me the money, which I was quite surprised about at the time. I can remember sitting with the bank manager that, that day and put my proposal forward and he just said yes. Mm. And my little dad was with me and walked out and they go, oh, so I wonder when we'll hear about that. And he goes, no, the bloke said yes. When you go, you can go and buy the land. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, that was surprising. And then thirdly, went into business with my sole business partner and that's Mother Nature. Yep. She was the one that was going to throw me a few curveballs and, um, you know, changed my life a fair bit. Mm. And first time was the flood um, in 93. Um, we got flooded from fence line to fence line. It was a really... Yeah. Um, big challenge for us, uh, you know, non-generational farmers still finding our feet, Marilyn yeah. Rye, and, but also mum and dad, mm. Luke, because they were still finding their feet, bought a bigger property and still find their feet. Um, when this flood come, on the, it was the 4th of October, and it just all of a sudden, bang, Marilyn was pregnant, nine and, well, now eight, nine months pregnant yeah. um, with, our, with our first, and... Um, she come down the dairy and said, look, the house is surrounded by water. And I go, what do you mean? And what had happened is the drainage channels had filled and come over the bank and flooded our farm yeah. completely. And we're underwater for about four weeks and that was a massive challenge. They taught me some really good skills about yeah. resilience and adapting to change and, mm. and you know, all that stuff. But what it did trigger was all that stuff as a kid that I hadn't dealt with, all of a sudden yeah. uh, that, that stress of that yeah. event triggered that and um, started off my mental health journey with a cloud above my head, basically. Yep. And that was, you know, something, and I, I say now in hindsight, one of the things and one of the biggest lessons that I try and tell people, like, especially in recovery from disasters or, you know, from floods or droughts or bushfires, you know, there's this whole recovery phase where your mm. adrenaline's running and everything, you know, got to fix this, got to fix that. And then you, you forget to look after yourself. And, yeah. and, and I realise now, I was the number one asset on my farm yeah. and I never paid any attention to me. It was all about fixing what was wrong, and uh, but not with me. And so we moved forward, recovered from that. And then we had family bust up on the farm. Mum and dad's and my vision of the farm went two different directions. Yeah. And that was a big challenge because family's my number one value. Yeah. You know, that was, that was tough. Yeah. So that turned that cloud into a spiral. And um, once again, didn't pay any attention to my own well-being, so I had to work out, well, how do I solve this problem? And yeah. as a bloke and a farmer, how do I solve this? And it was um, buy mum and dad out of the farm. Mm -hmm. Now, I took on you know, a fair bit of debt. Yeah. And as I say this to go, it was interesting. I took on about a million dollars worth of debt. Mm -hmm. and, I, um, and 
I sent this to a group of cotton farmers one day in the set in central Queensland. I said a million dollars worth that you can just hear them all go, yeah. And then I looked outside the shed. I was tall, and then there was this line of land cruisers, and I reckon they would add a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't, but the, I suppose the the thing that I want to take people to take away from my story is it doesn't matter how big or small your challenge is, yeah. it's how it affects you, and then yeah. how you deal with it, yeah. or all the support that you get to deal with it. And True. So you know, once again, didn't pay any attention to my well-being. Uh, we ended up. Um, yeah, so buy mum and dad a farm, set out on a 10-year plan. So set and um, worked out how could we pay our debt off, how could we grow our business and all that. And, you know, two years in that 10-year plan, we were flying. Yep. Uh, we bought some more land, we built a new dairy, you know, had a couple more kids and, you know, everything was really great. Mm-hmm. You know, we were flying along and then Mother Nature come and set the drought. The plan was really good. Um, our was fairly robust. Like, you know, we were, you know, business-wise, we were moving forward, even though things were getting tight. But as we moved into the second and the third year of that that drought, things got really tight. And then, um, you know, lack of water, lack of sea, you know, finances were getting tighter. And it was, it was a real challenge. And I suppose that family breakup turned my cloud into a spiral. And now moving into the drought, I was just spiraling out of control. And... Um, but once again, all my focus was on trying to keep kids alive, trying to keep business running, mm. not paying any attention to myself. And, you know, as that we moved into the fourth year, that was like a really tough year. Um, you know, and I hit rock bottom. Like, it was just, um, yeah, it was really dark and scary place to be. Um, yeah, really felt like it was better off for me not being here. Yeah. yeah. And that was not a good spot. And that's one of the, not a good spot to be. And one of the things that really drive me, what I do today, um, which will be interesting, we'll elaborate a little bit on that in a minute. But it, why I do what I do today is that real mission, which my mission is creating awareness and education around mental health and wellbeing, inspiring conversations and empowering people to seek help is that, you know, I don't want anyone else to get to that spot. And I know yeah. that's a massive, big, audacious goal. Mm-hmm. But, if I could just help one person by sharing my story to not get to that spot, that's really what. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after that lowest of low points, it was um, that I can narrow down to a uh, an afternoon. About two months after that afternoon, um, life gave me two choices that day. Um, I chose to get better, but two months after that, we. We were done. We were financially, emotionally, and physically absolutely exhausted from the drought. Mm. You know, plus we were highly geared, all that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, we decided just to walk off the farm, and that was a real big challenge. Um, mm. And that was one of the one of the biggest fa- challenges that I faced is trying to find out who I am and mm. um, and what my place in the world is. You know, apart from you know being that. Be able to put into the husband, the dad, the son, brother, all that sort of stuff. My whole identity was left with that farm, and symbolically, as we left that farm that day, I um, moved to Mount Gambia. I had clipped my identity, and I left them on the front gate of my farm because yeah. I was a non veil. And from that journey, um, I suppose it's you know wanting to get better. It's that that personal journey of trying to get better. Um, you know, trying to get on top of my mental health, trying to rebuild our lives because we lost everything. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that led me to do lots of different things. Uh, farm, obviously, dairy farming was one of them. So I managed a big farm down in South Australia. We come back home, 
I managed another farm here for a, uh, for a couple of years and then decided, look, this is not what it was the same as, you know, not the same as having your own business. So I, um, I decided to step out of that and probably did um, new home sales for GJ Gardner, I think it was, um, for a couple of months. I just happened to be over the road from a real estate agent in, in Shep and I had a coffee with um, with Rocky one day and ended up doing real estate for a couple of years, which was an interesting journey. And that's why I said I'll go come back to that because mm-hmm. one of the seeds that was planted in my head as a real estate agent or as a you know, selling farms and that, doing real estate, was most days I wasn't a real estate agent, I was a counsellor. Okay. Because yeah. it was a tough time at that stage. It was, you know, we were fairly dry conditions. A lot of families were, you know, there's a lot of water reform and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of families were making tough decisions. Yeah. And I found myself dealing with three Ds nearly every day, and that was death, divorce, or drought. Yep. And end up being like a counsellor, and I kept thinking in my head, there has to be a way that I can share my story to help these people, apart from selling their farm, yeah, giving them the options of what they could do because kids didn't want to come back and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And that kind of planted that seed, and we ended up going back farming again, and then did a speaker course, and it's just evolved from there, mate. Found your passion there, and it's just mm. um, and I think of. On that search for my identity and purpose, doing the speaking stuff is now, you realise that. Now I know my purpose. My purpose is my mission and and that drives me every day. And, you know, I still pinch myself every day, mate. Like I yeah. get to travel the country, share my story, and I don't know how that's still happening, <laughs> but it does. And, and look, I'm really busy and... Well, on the on the personal side, that's great. Yeah. But on on a national and global basis, that's sad mm. that I'm really busy. Yeah. Um. And I'm at the moment I'm getting real frustrated about you know the challenges that everyone's facing. Mm. Like, and that's not farming. That's everyone. You know, cost of living, high interest rates, or yeah, not say high. That always I kind of you know when I bought my farm, I was paying twenty one percent. So like interest rates at the moment aren't that high. Yeah. Um, but high interest rates, all these pressures that people are facing and, you know, and mental illness is something that even though we've come a long way or mental health, look, we've come a long way, um, there's still this underlying, there's, you know, statistics, the suicide statistics in the country and that's still telling me that there's so much work to do. Yeah. And, you know, just this week, I'm kind of really frustrated at the moment because I'm getting these phone calls from, yeah, communities where this is happening, we don't hear about it because mm. it's just, you know, it's yeah. still something that doesn't make the news. Yeah. But it's happening in all our communities and it's really sad. And that's what, you know, drives me now. Hopefully, you know, if one person at every presentation that I do mm. listens or can take mm. something away, well, then, you know, I've got trying to kind of move forward and achieve a bit of. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic awareness. How do you juggle your work? You're obviously a fairly busy day in day out with family, yeah. your kids. You've got yeah. So all the kids have grown up, but it's you know, we've got three grandkids now, mate, and it's just like yeah. I just I just spent half an hour with them on the way here. Yeah. And it's just like that's just the best thing. It's just like unreal. Lenny's um, four, and and the twins are, are two, and it's just like it's gold. Yeah. So you know they're like we've got. 
Yep. All our kids, our five kids, you know, two of them are in Melbourne. A um, couple of them are, you know, the other three are up here. Mm. Um, our youngest, Lil, still lives at home, um, which is good, but she's 19, so she's only where at Mochelle. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really, it's, it's, it's been good. And that juggle, you know, and even through that whole journey, the juggle's been good, but the priority's always been family, you yeah. know, even on the farm, you know, even though I work me, work me butt off. And we spent a lot of time, Meryl and I, building that business. We always, yeah, you know, I was always the object coordinator or whatever. I was. Yes. If there was things that need, I'd prioritise it. If the fence was broken and it needed fixing, but or Auskick was on, Auskick was first. Yeah. I fixed the fence later, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah, you know, family was so that is, is that priority. And, you know, we're lucky we've got five healthy, well, pretty healthy kids. Mm. And, um, they're all pursuing their own dreams and you know, we're, we're proud of them and they're, they're kicking goals, doing what they're doing. So um, can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. It's a fair journey. Um, well said, Warren. Uh, we appreciate your, um, your open, your honesty uh, and attending our, our, um, our podcast. I think uh, some of our viewers will certainly take a lot out of uh, today's interview um, and they can certainly share some of the awareness that's, uh, that was discussed today. So uh, Warren Davies, the Unbreakable Farmer, thank you. You're doing great things out there. Continue that work. Um, guys, um, thanks for watching, and you can follow us all on, our, on your preferred uh, podcast platform. Uh, this is Episode 9. I'm Gerald Sadbury, and thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss upcoming episodes. We would love you to share this podcast with your network and if you have any questions or feedback, please connect with us via our social network or head to gagliartiscott.com.au.